podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 20 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Chris. With the position in terms of any big announcements from Celtic being the same as last week and the week before and the week before that, we're not getting back on that merry-go-round this week and all speculation on the who, whens, whys and ifs of our next head coach will remain firmly on the back burner for today. Like many others in the football community, Celtic have taken part in a social media blackout this weekend in a stance against online abuse, racism and discrimination and this is a move that we fully support. The self-imposed ban lifts at 11.59pm on Monday night, so uh, Tuesday or Wednesday would be lovely Celtic if you've got anything big you want to tell us this week. Miff, we'll be looking a bit more at the bigger picture in terms of the playing squad in today's episode, but what's your initial feelings on yesterday's performance at Ibrox and how we currently stand in general? Hi Tino, hi Chris, um, hi listeners. How do I feel? I still feel pretty rubbish if I'm being honest. It was painful um, yesterday and the culmination of the way that the seasons went is just went from bad to worse and any short-term boost that came in the performance of the players under Don Kennedy has has disappeared completely. Where does it leave us? I think it leaves us pretty much where we were before. It's almost like the club's been in a five to six month holding pattern because they knew that the job Lennon was doing wasn't good enough. The squad of players that they had wasn't going to be good enough to win the league and that the recruitment had failed. So since January, when they only really brought in John Joe Kenny and have since announced that the signing of Liam Shaw there's not, not been too much for us to get excited about So the state of, of the club still remains the same Mackay seems to be in the building But not really responsible for anything in particular yet Because he's not spoken and he's not come and spoke to us directly So we're, we're only left to assume That it's it's just still business as usual As it has been for the past few months And, and that business as usual just is Nowhere near good enough for a club The size of Celtic coming off The historic four seasons that, that they just have so yesterday was poor, it was pretty gutless, but sadly, like I mentioned in the post-match, expected. Yeah, all too expected. Chris, you'll be glad, uh, as I mentioned, we can rest easy this week on all chat of Howes, Keens, Marescas and co. Um, but how are you feeling about things in general at the moment? Another low yesterday. I think this is the lowest of a low yesterday, for me anyway. I thought, as Miff was saying there now, just a bit very gutless. Um, such a, I thought the performance itself was... Borderline embarrassing for me. I thought from, fair enough, again, you ride your luck right at the very start. Great save with McGregor, then our McGregor getting sent off, then subsequently losing the goal. Story of our season. Um, no putting the ball in the back in the net and conceding. It's just, and then, as I said, even with the sending off, the decision-making by John Kennedy I thought was poor. It was horrendous, I thought, about it sixes and sevens in terms of shape. And that thereafter, and again, it's like another echoes the, the situation of our season as well, square pegs and round holes, as I've said previously. It's just really, really disappointing. Again, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to actually come on the podcast one day and say something positive for a yeah. change. But Someday soon. I very, very got listen, very angry yesterday. More angry uh, than I have been recently. So I just, I, I just hope that we can just put us to bed sooner rather than later. We can get the right man in the building without going into actually, I'll any detail about the who's, what's and when's, literally. But aye, it's just sore. It really is sore. And again, it's subsequent. Again, it's just again echoes about the situation of the season. The season has been. But again, hopefully, brighter days are on their way. Even despite all that, right? I'm just going to throw this in there. So even despite how rotten we've been, it comes down to those big moments. And Kennedy had mentioned it pre-match. In the in the bigger moments, Rangers were more clinical in the previous games, which was 
it's true. But the, the season for me is summed up in that three minute period for the boot, leaving Elianus's foot to the ball landing in the Celtic net off Roof's chest. That is it in a nutshell. What Rangers have, and plenty of other teams in the league have actually, is a presence between those big white things that actually stops it figuring in. We haven't had that all season. Any half-decent shot has went in. I think Baines maybe made one or two really good saves, and apart from that, it's all been standard stuff. I mean, there was even one yesterday that went right down his throat. I don't, I've never seen a technique like that. He was in the middle of the goals, and he's actually went down with both hands and scooped it up the way and popped it right out to Morello. I mean, I've never seen Aye. technique like that for a goalkeeper because it was a hard shot, so you thought, just deflect it away. But he's actually went down as if it was a, you know, a kind of daisy cutter and popped it right back up in, into the, the Rangers I've seen it when watching volleyball. Head. It's that kind of style. It, it, was, it was ridiculous. And that, you know, between that, you talk about decision-making, Callum McGregor being the most obvious one, it just says to me that the full squad, their heads are fried. Yeah. Absolutely fried. And and that's, I think that was symptomatic. Those those three minutes from from his should have been one up to being one down and a man down, that just that just sums up. I totally agree, Miff. I totally agree. And again, it's just it's just dismay when I was actually seeing it. But getting back to Scott Brain, the, the point about Scott Brain, Scott Brain, and again, it's something we mentioned before. That is a third choice goalkeeper. Yeah. A year ago, third choice goalkeeper, and that's who you call upon. I thought it was horrendous for the Morelos goal. I really did. He actually jumped back the way. He's near post. I thought that was awful. Again, there was obviously Chris Iyer could have been closer. I'm not even talk about Scott Brown, but just before it as well. But again. That is systematic, or again, the situation in terms of that, that run of play. But also, how is that managed? How is this can be came to be in terms of, again, that goalkeeper being in that position? Again, yeah. no, no offence to Scott Bain. Scott Bain is a good backup goalkeeper, but that's all he is. Yeah, I've got it in good authority that he doesn't listen to the show, so I don't think he'll, he'll take any great offence. But the other thing about, you know, the, the short stopping is one thing with Scott Bain. The other thing, and me and I've touched on it yesterday in the, the post-match, his distribution is really poor. And actually, that's the thing that he's meant to be decent at, you know, with the ball at his feet. And how many times did he just shell it right out the park or right down to Connor Goldson for them to start yet another attack? And he's doing neither nor for us. But as you say, such is the regression at the club that he has become the first choice. Guys like John Joe Kenny are the first and only choice at right back, you know, out with Ralston's. It's such a sorry state of affairs. You mentioned Scott Brown, Chris, and a very sad end to his Celtic career, certainly, you know, out with the next couple of games whatever they're going to look like and I'll give him some defence in terms of his job was made a whole lot harder when McGregor was sent off but what was your take Miff on, on how he performed in his, his last Celtic Rangers game? Well it was, it was tame and it was poor although I think you also have to bear in mind that the way that the season's panned out and the way that the news about him leaving to go to Aberdeen has got out I think he was probably playing or to me he seemed like he was playing not to get sent off rather than just playing like he would normally play That he, he was so he was so passive that it felt to me like he was just trying not to not to go on that sort of note. Whereas I think, speaking for myself, I would rather he just put somebody up there. Yeah, it just um, wasn't. Himself. You know, it, it just it just wasn't him. But if you think about it, for him, it, it must have been an emotional day. You know, to to go on and play in, in what was effectively a meaningless game. I know it's never meaningless. Celtic Rangers plus we could have beat them. We stopped them going unbeaten. So there there was something at stake yesterday. In the grand scheme of things. It's time the club's done. You know, you can only imagine what that dressing room must be like. Mm. It, it, it's just, it, it's sad that, that I had to end like that. But recency bias is always in everyone's head. Let's not forget what the man's done for the club, yeah. how he's represented us and what he's driven us to, what his will to win has driven us to. And it will be sorely missed in and around the club. But 
as a first-team regular starter. To be honest with you, Scott Brown shouldn't have started as often as he has this season. Yeah. So he, he would have done less so next season. I think he knows that. That's why he's going. It makes sense for everyone. He will be sorely missed. But from a purely playing point of view, yesterday showed that our future lies, sadly, without Scott Brown. I'm yet to be convinced that Sorrow is, inverted commas, the new Scott Brown or, or, or the new something in the centre mid. And I know he's not had much game time and, you know, you've got to, you know, allow him a chance to prove himself or not. But in the half an hour or so that he had yesterday, what did you think of him, Chris? I thought he was sketchy at best. You know, he was there to do a simple job and he gave it away several times. I think getting back before we come on to Soro, to Tino, when you're talking about Scott Brown being team, I think they were all team. Again, I think they're all playing within themselves. Mm. I throw Carl McGregor in there again. I'm, I'm being very critical, probably, of Carl McGregor tonight. I just... Again, just frustrated with the way he's performed. Like, we know he's capable as a player, but sorrow. Getting back to sorrow, just feels if I again just playing within himself. You'd actually see that for the final goal as well. It was just a bit in between. No, 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 sure about what he's wanting to do. Again, I mentioned about cohesion, and cohesion's a big part. Again, 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 well, a good working team or a, a competent team. Either there's no cohesion, there's no team, there's nothing, and that's what I'm saying. I think Soros suffered as a consequence of that as well. There just wasn't very, very much about him yesterday, like very, very, uh, like many others. But my concern with Soros is, and again, talk about Scott Brown as well. Coming back to Scott Brown, obviously potential replacement. John Kennedy sees these players week in, week out, and again, I said a few weeks ago as well as part of the podcast, I would expect our strongest team to play every week. My concern is if John Kenny looks in the training ground and sees that Scott Brown is the strongest candidate to play centre mid, that is a worry with regards to Sorrow. My, 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 concern on anyway. that, my concern on that is that our strongest team, regardless who, who's picked, just isn't very strong. And yep. I think there's a serious resource issue at Celtic at this moment in time. I think we have to bear in mind, though, that we had a manager before, John Kennedy, who watched players in the training ground and didn't play them. So um, Ian Crocker came out with a stat yesterday around most chances created by an individual player and that honour in Scotland currently belongs to David Turnbull from his time at Celtic in Motherwell and he spent three months on the bench three months so what has been going on what have you what have you seen at training because part of me thinks so you can look at different positions in the park in relation to what you said there Chris about what you've seen on the training ground around Scott Brown right how bad must Barkas be in training if Bain plays, right? Again, that's an assumption. That's an assumption. Unfortunately, we still don't really truly know how good or bad Barkas is. It's kind of been assumed that he's good or bad. If Barkas had played or given the performances that Scott Bain has in the past two months, he would have been hounded out of the club, I think. Yeah. So I think we need to say, I don't think he's been given a fair crack at the whip. When somebody's not playing, their stock always rises. That's, that's what football's like. But certainly in the case of Barkas, if you to look at Barkas's performances in goals versus Baines and the absolute, you know, just the, the sheer, it's so ordinary. I mean, really ordinary, poor goalkeeping. You would say, what what has Barkas done to be completely banished to the sideline? You then look into midfield. You've got Sorrow not playing instead of Brown. We know Brown's going. He's 35. He's aging. We've had plenty of chances to kind of shoehorn other midfielders in. Doesn't have to be Sorrow. You can play Christie. Sitting at the base, you can play Rogic sitting at the base. They've played there before. Nothing. We maintain that shape and we end up playing McGregor and Christie when they do play out of position, who over the past 18 months have been two, two of our best players. Up front, Ajeti, nowhere to be seen. Kamala sold when we've not got a manager. That's how bad he was. We sold him, we've not even got a manager. And as for Lee Griffiths, well, 
surely that's the death knell of his Celtic career with, with Mikey Johnson being brought. I mean, what must be going on behind the scenes for us not to bring on a striker when we need a goal? It that, is... to me, is a damning indictment on the strikers or Kennedy's not got a clue what he's doing. I, I think it's my my guess would be that that is more on Lee Griffiths because, yeah, when you, you know, when you look down the line and you're saying, I need a goal to get his back in it here. I can go Lee Griffiths, who by all intents is an international striker and Celtic's number nine, quite literally Celtic's number nine. And you think that young Mikey Johnson, who's flattered to deceive this season and has struggled with injury, and I do think he's a talent. If you think he's a better prospect yesterday than Lee Griffiths, something's gone far wrong there. And I agree with that. However, less than a week ago, the manager has said that Griffiths has got himself in better shape. He's quoted as saying that. So what's happened in the past week? for him not to turn to Griffiths to put him on the park. And I, I, I think that, you know, these are the questions that need to be getting asked. The, the fans need answers on what the hell is going on in there. Because Eddie Howe, Roy Keane, Enzo Maresca, Rafa Benitez, Jose Mourinho, whoever comes in, if they've got a bunch of players who can't keep themselves fit, who aren't engaged, who don't want to be there, can be the best coach in the world. But if players are, if players are not going to do what you ask them to do and do the basics of their job as a professional footballer, you're not in much chance, are you? No. But if you're taking a guy like John Kennedy at face value when he does speak to the press, and I think he's a fairly open and honest guy, I think it points towards Lee Griffiths having done something, you know, or, or not done something, not worked hard enough in the last seven days or so, because there's no way he should be... I mean, it, there's an argument that when fit and firing, he should be your number one striker or, or you're vying to be number one alongside Edward. But the fact that he can't get in ahead of Mikey Johnson, it screams that something's up there and something more fundamental than, you know, just being, you know, a wee bit out of touch or, or not quite playing playing so well at this time. Just one thing I want to touch on as we as we move away from the Rangers game, but Callum McGregor sending off. I don't have any great issues with it. I think some folk on Twitter said, you know, by letter of the law, you know, you shouldn't send a guy off and blah blah blah. It's two yellow cards for me. And I've no complaint about it and I'd be asking the question if it were the other way about. But does again, you know, and what you know you touched on with the few minutes between El Unice cracking the crossbar and us losing the first goal, that kind of summed up the season in terms of passages of play. Does McGregor sending off just sum up where the players are in terms of guys that we know are talents letting themselves down, wholly frustrated, and, and is it just symptomatic of, of where the players' heads are at this moment in time? I think look fed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way it is. And again, I think it's a, yeah, it's a lazy tackle by McGregor. I think it's, um, again, we could call it wrong side. Um, the Rangers player, I think it was Kamara, I believe. Yeah. I think it could, could call it wrong side. And again, it's just a, a late lunge, to be honest with you. And I just, I just feel as a it's systematic of the whole team in terms of they're just actually feeling very sorry for themselves. The amount of times that I need to see a Greg Taylor or a John Joe Kenny going up the right or left hand side and putting their hands up there as if to say we've got nothing going here as well. Uh-huh. Absolutely, again, it just seems to be fed up with one another. Again, it just it seems to be systematic of what's happening in Lennox Town. That's just my opinion, anyway. On the, the sending off by the letter of the law, like you said, you know, isolated yet yeah, two yellow cards, but. In a derby game to be sent off for those two tackles, pretty pretty lame. It's, I would say it's lame. It's light, but it's hard. To it's argue. lame. However, I seen somebody produce a bit of legislation on on Twitter last night saying that you shouldn't be given a second yellow card if if, if a goal's been scored. It shouldn't be double jeopardy. You shouldn't get the yellow card issued if if you've allowed to play on and a goal's been scored. So, and interesting that, but very harsh to be sent off for those two tackles. I think, and that's not just because it's a. I'm talking about football in general is going more that way where if there's anything even passing a remotely physical tackle a yellow card's coming out a derby game 
yellow cards getting dished out first 20 minutes for those tackles come on unless you're John Fleck and you stand in a guy's well, head well you can stand in a guy's head uh, yesterday at Spurs that was different. a different story and altogether that, that was 100% mate. You, you, you clocked him and everything it in my like opinion a, yeah listen maybe we can appeal McGregor sending off and we'll get him back for these two crunch games against Johnson and Hibbs maybe we just want a wee rest for the Euros maybe so I can understand it but yeah the, the players seem fed up as you say Chris if you think they're fed up they should try you know watching from our seats but yeah it's just been that kind of season we're now 23 points behind Rangers and counting so let's just get this next couple of games out the road and we can crack on and make those plans for next season so this week we're doing something a wee bit different we opened up the show to to any of our followers on Twitter to make any suggestions and, and give their input on subjects they'd like us to discuss uh, in tonight's recording so we've had a number of good responses so I'm going to run through a few of them here I'll put it to yourself Matt and Chris and to get your guys your guys' thoughts uh, on these questions so first up we've got the Hoops on Twitter and you'll find the Hoops at 67 underscore Celtic underscore 1888 and he's asked is it time to move away from the project signings for a few years and bring in players who can for- perform right away and deliver regardless of sell-on fee he's quoted examples such as Bio, Shved and Klamala being the most recent Matthew first of all what's your take on that? Hoops 67 1888 that is exactly my way of thinking is that gone are the days of these project signings I understand that the kind of club ethos and the transfer market has been, you know, by when they're relatively obscure, such as Wanyama, Hooper, you know, even Ledley a degree, Van Dyke, and sell them on for a massive profit. It works, it does work, but when you're in a situation where you're needing to rebuild, you need proven quality to come in. And so many times in, in my lifetime following Celtic, we have been two or three players away from having a, an excellent side. I think a post-Seville I think of understracking, you know, qualifying for the last 16 of the Champions League. And I think of the Brendan Rodgers um, Celtic side after the second season. It just needed that investment to take it on again. And as so often happens with Celtic from a position of power and dominance, we don't want to spend the money. So yes, I would say 100% that is exactly the way Celtic have to go. They'll need to pay transfer fees. They'll need to pay wages to get players in that improve the standard. Yeah, you can retweet that one later on, Muff, and, and give your thoughts. Chris, what's your take on that? Where do you feel we should uh, you know, be spending? Um, a bit in between, to be honest with you with that. So the reason why I'm saying that is that in order, it, well, first and foremost, we didn't sign any development-type players this season. Shane Duffy, Barkas, Albion Ayeti, and look what happened with them. So there is, no, there is no right or wrong way to do it. I think what you need to do is you need to have the structure in place in order to identify decent players and look to develop them. But also as well, is subsidise that with quality as well in terms of established players at the same time. So you need to have a balance between the two mm-hmm. because you can't simply just go one way or another for us because of the market we're in. So I think because of the COVID situation, the Brexit situation, again, there's a probably a focused people talking about maybe we're focusing towards kind of British Isles type players, domestic type players. That comes at a cost in terms of the market we're looking at. So we need to get the structure in place in terms of a decent scout network because at the moment or the past few years, it hasn't worked. And you can, you can even go back to the Lee Congerton days and say that again, it's not necessarily worked as well. Some good players come in, some great players identified who have gone on to flourish as well. And it's been very, very frustrating. But we need the structure in place in order to identify and get the balance between the two. Because as a club, again, unfortunately, where we are, we need to nurture, we need to sell on. That is the, the business model to a degree. So it's all about balance in regards to that. And I think that's spot on. I think balance is the, the key term there because, yeah, Celtic are a business and they can't just, you know, splash out and not expect any return. But there does need to be some sort of, you know, 
balance of doing so. I think it's always okay to have one or two projects as long as you're not saying to your manager and we're going to enforce these upon you and these guys need to you know, step into the first team right away. And whoever steps in as manager, I'm sure Celtic's next head coach will have certain demands and they will not, or they certainly should not be accepting you know, guys from European backwaters or Polish second divisions to try and claim back the, the league title. So I think there's always a room for a project signing at Celtic, but you've got to bring proven quality in at the same time. I think what we've got is a situation where Peter Lobo has become so attached to the, the one Yama model and the Van Dyke model and the Fraser Foster model where they made 10, 12, 15 million pounds uh, in terms of profit. But they are fewer and further between at Celtic, so we can't rely on that at all moving forward. Uh, next question is from Martin Dennis. Martin is at Kaiboy on Twitter, and he's asked, should we prioritise a centre-half, a centre-mid, or a centre-forward, based on the fact that we need one of each? But which of those three positions would you focus on first and foremost, Chris? For me, centre-half. I think, looking at yesterday, and I'm going to be very, very critical, Stephen Mills is not a Celtic centre-half for me. So, again, a fund- fundamental issue for me, and what I mean by that is, and again, I'm going to talk about it later on the, the podcast, is that I don't think he's the natural attributes to be a natural centre-half at Celtic. Um, I think he's slow. I think he's not good at stature in terms of height either. Um, don't get me wrong, I just think in terms of can Fabio Cannavaro of, of great centre halves of years gone by didn't have the kind of the height or the kind of attributes, but made up it elsewhere in terms of aggressive <clears throat> aggressiveness in their play. So anyway, sorry, getting back to my point. Again, a centre half we need because of the situation this season. Um, I think we need to start for the back, build for the back, basically. And I, I don't mean just a centre half. Again, you need the full backs to obviously support a centre half, but a centre half we need a real strong centre-half in there who's going to dominate and who's going to basically be the backbone of that team. So I think that's the funda- for me, the fundamental element. Um, and as I said, it obviously depends on the situation with Chris Iyer as well. I, it could be more well, more in terms of obviously the roundabout him, but as I said, I think it's definitely a centre-half for me anyway. If Iyer goes, you could need two centre-halves. Absolutely. And maybe, yep. you know, we'll discuss Steve Milsh in more detail another time, but I think he was woefully exposed uh, by an ageing Jermaine Defoe last night. And, and it, it was... I don't know, it was, it was tough to see and I think he may go on to be something but he's shown some weaknesses at this moment in time and he needs to really sharpen up his game if it is going to be a, a centre-half for South. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. As I said, I've been actually impressed with him. Again, you've mentioned before, Tino, yourself. He's, he's made, him and I have had a decent kind of partnership there but in terms of for us to kick on, if you'd ask me if he's going to be the person who's going to be your basically your, one of your main centre-halves, absolutely not. I, I, I see him and again, I'm being very, very critical here as an Tony Ralston for me. Um, again, apologies if you're listening. I know, Miff's, I know, sorry, Miff. But um, I just, I'm so, I was really, really angry with him yesterday. Really, as I said, you're talking about somebody nearly double his age. Turn him, sorry, beat him for pace. Turn one side out. Was icing the cake yesterday. Thought, right, people, players go to Ibrox and sometimes can sink or swim. I thought, he's obviously played against Rangers a few times. And I thought yesterday, I thought he was, I thought he was woeful. Yeah, I think it's a, I can't disagree with any of your points. The only thing I would say is that Steve Milch has come into a, one of the worst Celtic teams in recent history, uh, and he's been a lot of weight has been put on his young shoulders. So we'll see how he develops, you know, across the preseason and, and next year. My thought yourself, where are you at? Are you, do you agree? Is it centre half or is centre mid or striker more important for you? Well, I would I would say Martin asked the question. I'd say we need all three, but um, to to prioritise, I would agree with Chris and say centre half. The forgotten man is Christopher Julian. But I do think he needs a, an aggressive presence next to him, um, because he's more of a more of a footballer. Mm. I, I would say a football point centre half. So 
that would be that would be my opinion on that. Um, Welsh, you mentioned the word stature, and I think that's where he lacks. He with more experience, his rougher edges may smooth, but as it stands at the moment, he he, he does he does seem exposed. But you make a good point, you know, coming into this Celtic team and being asked to perform at a consistent level when clearly, you know, the camp isn't a happy one. I think he can he can actually be quite pleased with his work this season. Recency bias always kicks in, as I said earlier, because he's just conceded uh, or been part of conceding that goal, eh, the fourth goal against Rangers. Then people look at that and, and completely dismiss him, or even just look at his performance overall yesterday and dismiss him. But you know he has he has performed with a degree of credit in what has been a shambles of a season. So maybe bringing in more experienced centre halves, training with them, and going out and maybe doing a loan somewhere would see him to better effect in the future for Celtic and he, he, he might be better judged then rather than now. The fact that there's been a, a fairly decent investment put in him mm-hmm. by the by the, the board and the management suggests that they see his long-term future at Celtic and, you know, he, he seems to be a, a well-regarded character around the squad as well, even for a, a young man. So I, I would like to think that development's a key for him. He, he uses the experience of this season, dare I say the pain of this season and how we felt. He's came through the the academy, he plays with some better players than what he's been playing with this season, learns from them, gains more experience possibly on loan, and then we take it for there with him. Yeah. But to go back to the original question, absolutely, it has to be a centre-half, probably two if we're being honest, to come in, and that that can be a mix, you know, it could be a, an experienced domestic centre-half to go with somebody that, you know, maybe a, a younger centre-half you've identified. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what we do prioritise. But let's be honest. I mean, you would expect possibly for us to sign eleven new players, one for every position. Yeah, you couldn't argue against it. I am. I'm in a similar way of thinking to you, lads. In terms of, I think the first thing we need to do is just shut up shop at the back. I think I've harped on about this a few times, but it was Martin O'Neill's approach. First thing he done is he brought in guys that made us hard to beat, and I think that's the first thing Celtic need to look at because we're so weak at this moment in time. Teams like Ross County and various teams in Europe and others domestically have just woefully exposed us this season. Martin asked the question with the caveat that he didn't see us making a big spend on a goalkeeper given the outlay on Barkas, but if we are to recoup a decent fee for Barkas, I'd like to think we'll go and spend on a goalie as well. So for me, spend the rules a wee bit, but a goalie in a centre-half would really be the priorities for me. Just to touch on the centre-half point as well, if we had shut down or dealt with the set-piece concession quicker this season, we, we still we would be nowhere near as far behind mm-hmm. uh, Rangers as well. Yeah. So you would think that even with the strikers that we've got, whilst we might think they're relatively inadequate, if if you had a Jetty or Griffiths fit and up front, they, they would score goals in a Celtic team. Um, even though it doesn't seem like either of them are in that position just now. But um, with, the, with the benefit of a pre-season and a new coach coming in, you would think if they were fitting in the team, they would score. It's more important for us to improve that backline so that we, you know, we can really stop that set piece concession. Yeah, if all you do is shore up the defence and concede less goals, you're going to be a better side. So we'll see what the new man does when he's given the the money to spend. Next up, friend of the show, Chris Barry Sweeten. You know him well. Uh, you'll get Barry on Twitter at Bash with two H's seven seven seven. And Barry wants us to discuss the the constant failings of our loan signings and why this approach just isn't working for us. He argues that other top teams in Europe. Have maybe got one or two loan signings in. I'm thinking, of, you know, Cavani, a high-profile loan at uh, Man U. But we've got four uh, and very mixed performances from the four, but they have played a lot of minutes for us. So how do you think the, the loan system generally works for Celtic? 
have not well this season. Or any season though. Yeah, well you look back. There's not a lot of no. successful loanees at Celtic. Paddy. Robbie Keane comes to mind and Craig Bellamy. Bellamy. Paddy Roberts definitely. Be- Bellamy was one that was just got to jump out at me but I think they have I'm going to actually contradict myself here and I was actually going to say that but I think to plug a gap now and again a loan signing helps a signing no more than two potentially so yeah. again you're trying to you've got players that are coming with different mentalities when they're actually coming into a club so what what's the mentality of a Diego Laxalt for mm. example is he just coming out here just to say nothing and that's it's just not really a lot to do for Diego Laxalt but is he coming here as if to say Right, I'm taking a step down. It's a step down here from AC Milan. Come to Celtic, is he coming with the right mentality? And that is that is that could be the worry for certain loan signings coming in. So restrict the amount of loan signings. I, th- I think for myself, I don't think it has really given me actually look back and think back. Mm-hmm. It's not really worked, but I think it, it, it does have a time and a place within certain squads. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, as a practice, signing loan players can work if you've got a guy who has a talent, but he's maybe just finding himself on the sidelines at his club for any given reasons. There's a genuine win-win if you are to say, listen, come up here, we'll cover whatever, 50% of your wages, and we'll give you a genuine platform to go and prove yourself, either to your manager down south or wherever, or to your next club, or to your international manager, whatever it may be. And there's a genuine you know, win-win for both parties and, and a, a genuine reason to, to make a success of it. But when the chips are down, and the chips have been seriously down for us this season, you wonder if it's too easy for Laxalts, Kenny's, their faith, dare I say, to just go, you know, this has been a nightmare, but don't worry, because I'm back down the road in a few months' time, and that's me done and dusted. What do you think, Miff? I'm just going to throw some names at you, right? For loan, and it seems to be around the fullback area in particular, so take Duffy out of the equation, because we all know what that is. Toyan. Yeah, Jeremy. Braffied. El Kaduri. <laughs> I was waiting that. <laughs> Kenny. Yeah. Wax out. Get them all on the bin. I mean, is, is the lone guy on some strong, classy drugs? They're shockers. And why are we finding it so difficult to sign a decent fullback? I mean, I, I've, I went to games and watched Braffied and El Kaduri live, and I was like, Braffied played in the World Look Cup final? Took the words out of my mouth, World Cup finalist. Incredible. Some, Santa Maria? After, after, our, after his loan, us, by the way. That was after us. I think we developed El Kaduri scored the Ibrox. <laughs> but all random occurrences, those individual things, you know, as... Overall signings, these guys were shocking for Celtic. And K- Kenny, to go to recent performance, it, Kenny just keeps making the exact same mistakes. It's just on repeat. And and that's where, I can't believe I'm going to say this, that's where I have to say, right, now Ralston's in the squad, right, I know, I yeah. know, I know, Ralston's in the squad, I'm going to put my neck on the line and say Ralston's better than John Joe Kenny. I don't think there's any argument with that. And I, we've kind of mentioned him so many times here in terms of he's not of the, re, the required quality to be at Celtic. But he should actually start the next two games because we might as well develop a wee bit, bring him on, even for a couple of 90 minutes, and John Joe Kenny can go anytime. Ralston spent last season on loan at St John's, played 20 odd games in the SPL. Now, I, I think sometimes you don't want to come across like you're actually being down on, on your own players. I know we've actually been really, really critical of the performances, and rightly so. But somebody like Ralston, who's barely played this season, you know, I think most Celtic fans would look at him and say he's not at the required standard. However, the, the one thing that he does show is an immense amount of heart. I can remember one particular game at home when he scored, he opened the scoring against Motherwell. Um, and, and it was through his kind of driving determination to go and get in the box. He's got that bit of heart. I think Celtic fans would rather see that at this minute in time. You know, not playing in the team when the team's doing poorly elevates your status, like I already said. But 
Kenny keeps making the exact look, losing his man at the back post. He, he does defend. it all the time. Yeah. He done it yesterday as well with Morelos. I don't know what he done when he got one at the back post. But Kenny had just let him wander off him. Yeah, he just seems to have no awareness of of his back post, and it's happened so often. But yet here we are, and Kennedy keeps playing him. You know th- these loan signings have have damaged us. There, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes back to a point that's been made many many times on on Twitter: is you sold Lustig, you sold Tierney, guys who are winners, proven winners, and you've replaced them with loan signings. I mean another loan signing we should chuck in as well. Is big sexy, Moritz Bauer. You know, trench coat wearer of the year, twenty nineteen. <laughs> but jeez, <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Jeez, man. <laughs> Another fullback. Uh, you're right, though. I mean, we've talked about the, the the downgrading across the board and serious downgrading the fullback areas. And if you look at the fact that you've your, your goalkeeper as well, right? You've gone from Fraser Foster to the three amigos that we've got just now, and you've gone from Lustig and Tierney to the the various loanees and Greg Taylor. It's, it's not even close It's not even like you can compare Because it would be Disrespectful To the, the old guard To compare these new New players to them They're just nowhere near The, the required standard The Gotland thing is though You know When it came to The January window Maybe Celtic were so preoccupied With our trip to Dubai But there was a, a window in January Where we had an opportunity To strengthen And whether that be To strengthen for next year Or to try and salvage Something from this season And the best we could come up with In January Was John Joe Kenny That, that was it the horse had bolted at the time, and that's it. It was done, absolutely done at that time. I do not agree with that. No, I'm sorry, tell, I don't agree me, with that. That was that, that was, is wild, man. It's like that we that we saw that our season crumbling, right? So even if Lennon's no got to be your man, clearly as the operations within Celtic have shown, who the manager is doesn't no matter. That stuff when it comes to the playing squad, because we've already signed somebody and sold somebody when Lennon's no been there. So even if Lennon's no your man, I, I'm I'm with you, Tino. You could have done better than that. I'd like to think so. Does that yeah. mean that the, the board gave up in the season at Christmas time? That's what I'm just going to say. They just went, let's cut our losses. Let's not spend any more money in this season. This is done and dusted. We'll try and get out on the cheap. And there's no cheaper way to do so than to take John Joe Kenny on loan from Everton as your only January signing. My interpretation was see Christmas time and an okay, you could argue the situation with the Rangers game around about New Year time. I think the Scottish Cup, they looked at him in Scottish Cup, get the Scottish Cup, get Lenny's treble. And then, as I said, it's just... We'll see this out. Let's just let's just let's play out. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Because Peter was gone, Lennon, but Lennon was gone, and we need to start again. As I said, that's the reason why I looked. I said like John Joe Kenny and said, right, do you know what? Everton, decent standard, obviously, be it obviously Premier League club, and thought right, nah, he'll do again. He'll he'll fill the gap. Mm-hmm. But as I said, because of the mentality at the board level, was that a horse had bolted? It yeah. was done, absolutely done, I which think. is terrible. Which is it's really as it's awful. But that was that's my, my interpretation yeah. of the situation. In their heads, you know, the, it's been all but over by Christmas time. Yet they still go back to to the well of supporters just to come back and and back the team time after time after time. And and where does it stop? Because we always do. We always come back and and, and we'll do so again when the season tickets come out. Like at Lumpet, we can make the noises and you can talk about you know making your protest with your wallet and all that stuff. We're going to renew it and the vast, vast majority will do the same and they know that but there are so many people at board level that just don't care and sometimes it's averting their actions and as I said, the actions or lack of in January just told you that as always, you'll get what you get and you like it and don't dare protest or make any noise about it. That that was very much the attitude after the, the Ross County game and I thought that was quite telling. That suggested to me a, a disconnect between the, the board and the average fan for the point of view of the sentiment of this season and how much it meant 
and to, to have the activity or lack of that, that we then seen in January further cements that view. Yep. It's almost a case of just an absolute token gesture in bringing Kenny in. Now, we banked a serious amount of money for Frimpong, and we've not even mentioned that. Yep. And and that was the best that we could do. It's it, it, You know, we knew at the time it was poor, but looking back, it's absolutely chronic. I know, and it's when you revisit these things because you've, try, you've tried to just kind of put so much of this season behind you because it's been so chronic at times but when you actually debate them through you know stuff like what we do it's horrendous some of the actions I, I tell you what I'll do Chris I know you're looking to chip in it leads me nicely onto one of uh, the other questions that came in it was from Matthew Doherty I think you know Matthew his Twitter handle is Matthew210387 so enjoy your birthday on the 21st of March 1987 Matt I think you're 35 soon he asks what realistically will Celtic do or can they do to engage fans in a way that actually provides an opportunity to have a say in some of the workings of the club whether that's culturally, representation at board level, or even in terms of, of fan-player relations. Because let's be honest, they're, they're at an all-time low, so it's a, it's a you know, relevant question at this moment in time. What do you feel, Miff, on, on you know, what the club can do to try and broker that relationship? Well, I think they need to try more than what they're doing just now. The fan engagement's been pretty much non-existent, and what's going to happen now is you'll see certain kind of fringe groups pop up, you know, such like, I call them a fringe group, but you take my point, like the Celtic Trust and stuff like that, yeah. fan representation, you know, potentially board level, buying up shares, all, all that type of thing. There, there is a place for that, absolutely. But views on, y you see it more so on, on social media, views on what a Celtic fan is are, are quite wide-ranging. So to think that an entity can bring all those fans together with a, Kind of general common purpose I think is quite fanciful I think what the, the club have to do and the board have to do is they just have to reach out I think they have to listen more to the fans and, un and maybe understand a wee bit more about how the fans the fans feel the The general feeling for me is that they're just happy for you to get into the superstore buy the three strips your kind of beer mats and move on again or slippers for some years but there's, it's got to be a bit more than that the relationship between the the board and the fans um, has got to be a bit more than than what we're getting just now. Now, what form that takes, I don't know. Do, do you have nominated fan groups? Do you go back through the supporters' buses and then nominate? I think I think you know you want to notice people that actually go to the games because who's to know? While social media is a very very loud voice, it's a loud voice of who? Mm. Is it a loud voice of people who actually attend games? You, that's what you don't know. You don't know that. They might say they go to the games, but you don't know. So you want it to be people that actually go. I mean, if I think about it, if half my bus were getting their opinions on how Celtic would run, I mean, I'd, I'd be quite quite scary. <laughs> some, of the, some of the things they would want the club to get up to, but that's a different story. We'll see what kind of welcome uh, they give uh, you when you return, uh, for, uh, for those kind of comments. Chris, what would you like to see happen between the, the club and the board? And keep in mind that we've now appointed Don Mackay, a comms expert. This is his world, so we would expect improvements. And, and let's be honest, they can't get any worse than what they currently are because all we're getting right now is silence. So anything's better than that. But what would you like to see happen, Chris, between the, the club and the fans? I think I would like to see some form of representation in the board, right? But it's hard to determine how that looks. Right? Mm. That, that's that's the thing for me that has been kind of pickling my brain for a wee while now because I've seen that obviously there's a bit of movement in the background in regards to obviously fan representation in terms of the, the position with the shares and stuff like that within the club. But I think the club needs to have a balance between... I've seen obviously Dermot Desmond's got a lot of obviously criticism um, recently obviously related with the circumstances being and rightly so right but I think you know, there's a purpose for Dermot Desmond we've got, to, we've got to remember in terms of 
what he brings to the club in terms of his wealth rate and people can obviously debate about what that bargain how much again he's basically put his hands in his pocket when we look to the situation with our team across the water but well um, I think it's a case in point is having a twirly tash is alright when you're winning but it looks really daft when you're getting beat <laughs> Um, rightly so <laughs> you make a good point um, but I feel getting back to the point itself there needs to be some form of again, representation there I really, I really a bit, it's, it's hard to determine how that looks because the point I was just going to bring in just coming in earlier on uh, Tino in terms of the communication between fan base and the boardroom has been non-existent till today still exactly the same situation as after it was well, the Ross County game we're still sit- we're sitting on the 3rd of May and it's exactly the same so back at yourself Tino in terms of Dom McKay being a comms guy what, again, I'd, it'd be interesting to see what he can bring mm-hmm. to the post itself to say this is how what we're going to do engage with the fan base this is what's going to happen so again I think we're all kind of sitting waiting in the background to say what's this guy going to do because as I said but I said, it needs to be just more than that. It just kind of be just kind of just fancy Dan Combs itself, and there needs to be some rep, some form of representation because there's been a complete breakdown between board level and the fan base itself. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, it just feels like there's almost a disdain from the board towards the fans, and I just think, you know, that it may be accurate, but it's also born out of this the silence that we constantly speak about, and even if to use the terminology of the day, see if there was some sort of route map towards next season. So we've seen all the kind of COVID comms and different things. But if Dominic Mackay was to turn around and say, this is what we're doing in the background, now you don't have to give up you know, your secrets and your inner board you know, chatter or who, who you're speaking to and what you're negotiating on and what you're offering them, but you can say, we're currently speaking to a number of candidates, we hope to make an appointment by this time or that time, and this is how we're planning for next season. There's things that you can say without having to say too much, and just by saying nothing at all I think is criminal. Well, you mentioned there, Tino, that you know, you're going to renew, so come here or high water. You'll be renewing, and I'm in the same boat, by the way. Even something like coming back and coming out and saying, this is when we're aiming or planning to try and get you back in the stadium. Mm-hmm. This is what we're lobbying the government for. You know, even some sort of positive news about that, because I think most fans would take that, even if it's not going to be news related to the team signings, new manager, new structure. A bit of goodwill saying, right, troops, here's when we've got to get you back in. Here's what the plan would be. Max capacity, 10,000, you know, You'll get a game in every three, game in every four, whatever it might be. There's just been absolutely nothing. And there's not really been much since January. You know, if you actually trace it back, we can get a slap in the wrist for being discontented in October. To tie that in, Celtic fans wanted to get that message across that this kind of status quo that exists where the board expect just to put their hand out on us to keep putting money in. Yes, we will still renew season tickets, of course we will. But we want our voice to be heard as well. And I don't think that element's going to go away. So I think it's now incumbent on the club, like Matthew says, to reach out and start listening. Now, if Dom McKay's in, if you're listening to this, Dom, more than welcome to come on, give us your thoughts and let everybody know. But it's that type of thing, dare I say, that's going to need to happen. You know, coming on, fan fan media, yeah. speaking directly to us and telling us their side of the story and how they see the future looking. That's it, and it doesn't have to be huge, grand gestures and, and you know, inviting fans onto the board or things like that, but as you say, if reaching out here and there, maybe going on, whether it's us or any other fan podcast or something like that, and speaking more directly, and maybe some sort of uh, fan engagement group, a fan focus group, whether that consists of a dozen Celtic supporters across a number of different areas, something like that to to lean towards the fact that they're more willing to listen than what, than what they've, they've been doing historically. So I think there's a lot of kind of 
you know, discussion to be had around that and what it might look like. And listen, you know, maybe we're doing Dominic McKay a disservice because he's only just got his foot in the door. But it'll be very interesting to watch how that plays out, given his comms background in the weeks ahead. What I'm going to do, just as we start to, to wrap things up, lads, I've got a couple of, I suppose, very quick fire questions for you both, um, just in terms of your own thoughts. So thanks, first of all, to the, the fans or the, the followers who brought the questions in this uh, this week. They were very, very engaging. Lots of different ones we never got to, but thanks to anyone who put a question to us. We'll always try and uh, ask any questions as well and give followers and fans their voice. So if anyone does want us to raise any particular topics, please do feel free to reach out at Celtic Exchange on Twitter. I, I was just going to say, I think that's a great thing. Thanks for that. Troops, keep sending them in. Yeah. So just as we start to finish up, I'll put it to you, First of all, Chris, three questions for you, just as we start to, to round up. Number one, which one player in the current squad would you build the team around for next season? Number two, excluding loan players, who would you get rid of immediately? And number three, which current players from the Scottish leagues would you want to see us target for next season? Chris Ayer. Don't see it happening in terms of player retain player, um, retaining player. I think he's a natural leader, could be a future captain if he stays at the club. Bit of development going on there. Twenty-three year old. I think he's still got a lot to develop in terms of his heading abilities, positional sense. Even just learned it yesterday. But he's all the attributes. Again, we've talked about Stephen Mills just very briefly earlier on. He has had the attributes right for the start in terms of stature, height. Again, a playing ability to develop. So I think he's got. There's a lot more comfort for Chris Ayer. I think you could build your team around about him in terms of being a leader going forward. And he went on loan. He went to Kilmarnock and yep. it done him no harm. So Chris Ayer, a player to get rid of. Ryan Christie. Immediately. If not sooner. Yep. Players checked out complete regression. Um from a player who was a who was a key player at the beginning of last season. Fantastic player. Comes across, brilliant, great engine, again, chipped in with his goals, assists, complete regression. Used the stats a few weeks ago. Fifty one shots, Tino, one goal. Um cash in um, as soon as possible because the contract situation is strange, isn't it? It's like November, I believe, twenty November, is it like in November time? Yeah. It's just about a strange situation. Um so with that, so Ryan Christie for me is definitely one that needs to go. Domestic player for me is Alan Campbell. Yeah, I heard that a few times. But he's a bit of a pit bull. I think we need to we need that bit of player in terms of a bit of digging in the middle of the park as well. We'll do the kind of dirty work, hence yeah. the reason obviously Scott Brown's leaving. We're having a bit of debate even tonight about sorrow. But 23-year-old, good experience. He's not as if he's 18-year-old coming into the Motherwell squad as well. But yep. he's come 23-year-old to get this year. Developed relatively well developed. Mm -hmm. And his contract's up at the end of the season. So I think it's a risk-free risk um, kind of yeah. chance for us to take. And I think you're right. There's going to be a serious hole in the midfield. Scott Brown is moving on, we know. Christy will likely move on. There's a serious gap there. So Alan Campbell's a decent shout. But I have same questions to yourself. So just to repeat them, who would you build the team around for next season? Who would you get rid of immediately? And which domestic player would you like us to target? Uh, build the team around in terms of someone that I think's probably going to leave, but I would like to stay, is Ryan Christie. I think that <laughs> Ryan Christie has spent the majority of the season played out of position. Right. Um, like, like you mentioned there, Chris, I think the, the feeling is that he has checked out a wee bit. However, I think that's more to do with the situation. I think he's feeling undervalued, and that's what you're seeing now. Petulance probably shouldn't be rewarded, I get that, but I think... He is too good a player to let walk away. I think his his involvements in in goals and chance creation last season mean that if he is played in his rightful position in the centre of the park, that he's good enough. Not not necessarily playing the ten if Turnbull's doing really well there, but I think Turnbull and Christie could be interchangeable in different roles within the midfield, but played centrally. So I would like to see Christie stay. I think he could be a really important and integral part of the of the new Celtic, but. I, I take the point 
I'm I'm saying this on the assumption that I think I am Edward or away by the way. I yeah. don't I don't think there's any point in can I mention them because in my head I think both of them will will go absolutely. Um, so slightly different to to you, Chris. I know you're thinking that I will stay. Chris will definitely go. Who I would punt? Who would I punt? Scott Bain. Yeah. Just just cut your losses complete so that there wasn't any danger. This situation happening again and it forces their hand to go out and buy better than what we've got because mm-hmm. what we're seeing is the implication is that Bean's the best that we've got if you get rid of Scott Bean you're going to bring in maybe one or two keepers that's going to improve the going to improve the, the competitiveness in the squad I, I don't think we can be left in a situation where Scott Bean can be playing 10 games in a season because we're going to get what we've had this season yeah definitely and finally just who would you target from the Scottish leagues who do you think uh, Josh Doigfebs Josh Dyke left back. Left back. Yeah, yeah, that could be a good shout. So there's there's various players in the mix there. So you, you know a lot of guys have mentioned Lewis Ferguson, who I think, despite I, his uh, allegiances, I think he would be a really I, decent signing. I, I would have no issues. Much like the same profile as Campbell, aggression, a bit of kind of youthful aggression that's got to go box to box and put a few tackles in. Did I say something that was sorely missing yesterday? Yeah, did I say could we sign them both? Others, you know, notable mentions, you know, guys like. Declan Gallagher now wrong end of his career but he's better than what we've got you know could guys like Wells learn from him just to be an aggressive centre half possibly I mentioned to you uh, yesterday my Portis at Hibs not so much for you no not for me any thoughts on him Chris too raw for yeah. me at the moment I don't know if they're going to want to be in the future but I think he's very raw at the moment so I think he can another year at Hibs but I, I, don't, I don't know they're just far too raw for me yeah but some interesting options here the other guy was Sean Rooney but that's just because he's a mad time I think oh, loads Rooney. of football we'll, we'll get him on the show he's not replied to my tweet which is disgusting behaviour but we'll see if we can get him uh, on the show at some point so listen lads thanks to you both for your thoughts there some really interesting answers from that uh, set of questions but also going back the way to some of the, the questions from the followers so an interesting format today something a bit different and something we'll definitely look at for future episodes so by the time you hear this Celtic will be back in the game in terms of their social media channels and let's hope there's more managerial announcements than birthday wishes as we look to next season and what that may look like my thanks to Miff and Chris for joining me today in the Celtic Exchange and if you're enjoying the show please continue to support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts you'll also find us on Twitter at Celtic Exchange and on Instagram at the Celtic Exchange Podcast thanks as always for listening and we'll see you again next week